This show is an ultimate podcast group production. Hey, this is Live Better with Natasha with me, Natasha Hamilton. This podcast is all about exploring your mental, physical and spiritual wellness. Live Better with Natasha is for anyone who is looking to broaden their horizons with their wellness, who want to heal, they want to grow, and they want to feel on top of the freaking world. Hello and welcome to another episode of Live Better with Natasha. So today I am going to be sharing with you an interview that I did earlier this year with Matt Johnson. Matt Johnson is a TV presenter, broadcaster and producer. We know him. He's the beautiful Matt off the telly. He's always there with a gorgeous smiley face. But when I spoke to him, we got really deep. Like we really went into all those dark nooks and crannies of life because we've both had very, very similar experiences within the entertainment industry. And we got talking about how to make peace with all the different versions of ourselves and that how negative failures often end up in good outcomes. We also talked about what it's like to be riding high and then next minute having nothing, all the work going no one opening doors for you and how difficult that can be in our industry. One thing we did touch on as well, which is really important, and it's how detrimental it can be to want to just be on your own when you're going through a life upheaval, like when you're in that dark space. We do retreat and that's okay. Like it's good to retreat. Sometimes you have to just sit with your thoughts and your feelings and move through them. But we have to remember that there's so many other people out there who can help us. So it's that fine line between retreating and going under, like going into an even darker place. I loved it when we also spoke about the power of still moments. Sometimes we just need to try and switch off because the, the mind's so powerful, it's throwing so much emotion at us. It's throwing, you know, all these life events and some of them are the past, some of them are now, some of them are what if or what's going to happen in the future. Being able to still the mind and just live in the now is really powerful. And also at the end, we got into a really interesting conversation about how other young pop stars need help and support. And he was saying that how I could make a really good mentor for young people in showbiz. And that actually like hit a really strong chord with me because when I was in Atomic Kitten, we had one half day of media training. (laughs) And we were supposed to have learned the ropes of how to be an international pop star in like half a day. And that was kind of it. Like we didn't really have someone we could go to when we were struggling and be like, look, I'm not having a good time here. This is how I'm feeling. Uh, A lot of the time, it was men as well. We were surrounded by men. You know, manager was a man, record label, men, tour manager, man. So it was difficult. So it was quite an interesting conversation that we had. And I'm just going to put it out there. If any pop stars out there are listening to this podcast, get my number, slide into my DMs. If you need to vent, if you need advice, obviously I've been there. I've bought the t-shirt call me, like chat to me. I am here. I can help you. So Matt Johnson is that guy. He's on the TV with that gorgeous smile, but he has been through so many personal life events 
and today he's going to share them with us. Hey, Maz. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in my dressing gown. I, I feel so comfortable talking to you like this. It's, it's the most natural outfit for this, this type of thing. I'm good, thank you. I'm okay. I, um, I've had a, a really fascinating lockdown experience, which I'm sure everybody has in their own independent um, and interesting ways. But this morning, I am feeling very positive, very good. Thanks for asking. How are you? Um, nervous, excited, stressed, up the wall, grateful, like a million feelings rolled into one right now because I've, I'm putting myself out there and pushing myself way out of my comfort zone. Um, and do you mind me asking what that comfort zone is? So you, I just caught you talking about um, that you've, you've been through it, you've had an experience. Um, is that a recent thing? And you feel like you, you've, you've come to the point where you want to share that story because it's cathartic for you and you want to help us. That's what happened? Yeah. Do you know what? There were so many times last year where I was kind of sat in this kitchen at the table with like pens and like bills in front of me and pads of paper trying to be creative and and think about like how am I going to make money because the music industry is very temperamental and obviously like I've been in it for 20 20 years now so as the years go by you know you're kind of getting lower down on the pecking order of who needs you you know the books are getting filled up with newer bands uh, yes, there's a lot of like resurgent concerts happening, but I'm not going to lie. It does tend to be mainly the males, like a lot of the boy bands get chosen before the girl bands do. Mm-hmm. And then, so you see like the, all these older boy bands <laughs> or man bands as they are now, and they're like flourishing and they're getting the tours and they're getting the gigs. And the girls are kind of all sat at home, you know, we've got houses to run, bills to pay, kids to look after. Mm-hmm. And it just get, you know, it's like, hmm can't be resting on my music laurels like I have to create a new version of me and I've I've been on that journey for many years now and it's been like this because when you have to force onto yourself a new version of you sometimes Mm. it's hard because it's not authentic or you're not gelling with it Mm -hmm. yes I I completely understand what you're talking about I um very interestingly, um, I've had a therapy session yesterday, and most of my therapy is dealing with different versions of myself. Now, what you said was really interesting to me, where um, I've got to try and create a new version of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think um, anybody in any sort of freelance job, you know, you could be um, like a pay, pay per day Builder, if you work for different companies, you always put a mask on of a different version of yourself to appease certain audiences or bosses or something. And, I've, and I, I would say that I've, in my, my time, in my life, I've struggled with that. Who am I? What do I have to offer? What do I bring to this world? Me, 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 me. Do I need to create a version I think everybody would like? And I think, very interestingly, what you have gone through in a really extreme way. And I think I've probably gone through that in an extreme way too. And I think so many people have recently through lockdown because when, when your job and your purpose is taken away, you're asking the question, 
Who am I? What can I do? If that job's taken away, what can I bring to the world? How do I provide? And it's a really interesting conversation to have. So yes, I 100% dealt with that so many times throughout my life, but more precisely in the last 24 hours, having a huge conversation about what I bring to the table, what I what value I have to offer. And, and it's okay to have some versions of yourself. And I used to hate it because I was like, oh, I've got a postcode lottery mat. I've got a daytime TV mat. I've mm-hmm. got a, a deep thinking, introvert, soulful, bluesy singing mat. I can't be all of those things. But interestingly, I've realized, and I've been talking about it a lot, is that they're all part of me. These, these are all just versions of myself that, yes, it's okay. You, 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 you go to your nan's house, you, you, you dress up a little bit more accommodating towards your nan. It's, it's not, you're not betraying yourself. You are actually just being another version of yourself. But the core values of your own being are always there. And that's something that I've really, really uh, looked at at the moment. And it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. And do you think it might stem to the point that, like, when we grow up, it is very much, well, like, the generations that have been, like, especially when I was growing up, it was very much like, you can only be one thing. You have to decide who it is you need to be now when you're 15, because I left school when I was 15. Mm -hmm. And you need to be that person. And you can't... (laughs) <laughs> break free from that let's, let's not uh, forget like this give the people of the audience a perspective you're from a working class background with yes. working class values i am exactly the same working class values working class background didn't have uh, all the money in the world um but what comes with that environment is that my friends were getting married when they were 23 and they you made your choice at your GCSEs what you were going to do with the rest of your life either university or not university pick a trade forever and that attitude I think is still there definitely when I was younger um, the idea that even now sometimes I'll have a day off on a Wednesday breaks my mind like I'm like I can't have a day off on a Wednesday because you work this is when you work and and I think the more we progress with technology this this attitude of you should be doing this by then. You should be married by then. You should be set up with your life and your career by then. This is how you should think forever. It's very dangerous because I think with the modern, modern society that we all live in, especially in your industry and my industry, and I think more industries are becoming a bit, a bit more relaxed and fluid. Nine to fives aren't necessarily always the thing. Um, people are deciding to change careers halfway through their 30, 40 year career. Um, people are living and working longer, you know, and, that, and, that, and it seems like a massive upheaval, but it's actually very normal. You know, in reality, in what world do we live in where you can do the one thing forever, retire at 60 and then go and wait to die on a boat somewhere or like move to Spain? Like that is so, so much in the past and new realities in, in, in amongst us now where we are living for so much longer. The retirement age has been pushed back and pushed back constantly. We'll, we'll, I've personally gone through this thing of where I, I want to do something with my life that I enjoy, that I can pay the bills, and I don't mind working until I'm 90 if I love it. I don't want a life like I grew up with a father that didn't enjoy his job all the time. Mm-hmm. And 
I didn't want that for myself. So what comes with that is this spiraling, I don't know what's happening next thing, which yeah. I think a lot of people are suffering from now. And I, I sorry, I'm rambling a lot, but no, this is such no. a, you, you hit the nail on my, something that I've been talking about intensely uh, for quite some time now. Yeah. So, and what I, was it like, so what was it like for you in that moment when you were thinking, right, I'm a pop star, but I'm not needed to do that right now. I need to do something else because I have responsibilities. Well, to be honest, I feel like I chased and I held on for dear life because I was managed from the age of 16. I was put in a bubble. I was scared to step outside of it. Like Mm. that world beyond management wasn't visible to me. I had this very tight-knit circle and the thought of having to venture outside it was terrifying. And it was Mm -hmm. constantly living in fear. Oh, my God, I'm not relevant. Like I actually, um, I took on a speaking course at the turn of the year and with a good friend of mine, Danny Wallace, she's on now. I love you, Danny. And she, I was like, I feel like I've got a story. And I want to tell it. And she was like, uh, you've definitely got a story, Touch. <laughs> <laughs> but let's make it concise. Like, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, well, I want to talk about this transition I've been on and how I was constantly living in fear because I was being told, oh, you're not relevant. Or to be relevant, you need to go and do a reality TV show. Mm. You have to go and do these photo shoots where I'm freaking dressing up in these silly I mean once I was covered in Nicorette patches and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I can remember being lay on this like bed going what the, am I doing like mm. I just, this is so destroying not setting myself on fire but it was the fear of have to do it need to take the work need to pay the bills and I was just doing a lot of shit I didn't want to do it's really I, interesting that, that you say that because I, I know so many people still, and I've been in that bubble, and it, it makes you feel like you bring no value to the table, like mm-hmm. you have to uh, eat a testicle in a jungle to remain relevant, and then people will like you for a few years, and then they'll get bored of you, and then you'll, be, you'll have to go on Strictly or something. Yeah. And it, it feels it's that type of thing. And really interestingly, I want to ask you, like, what do you think you brought to the table when you were – in flying high, well, that's a good pun, but you know what I mean. You know, when you were in that mode and when you were, when you were invited to all of the parties, when mm-hmm. you were going to all of the things and you were turning down stuff and you were too busy, what, what were you bringing to the table there? To be honest, I don't think much, I wasn't doing much more then than I am now. I, I probably give more back now than I ever did then. I think it was more of an ego boost. <laughs> What do you mean, ego boost? Well, because you feel important, you feel relevant because you're there okay. in front of the magazine. And, and and you're kind of in this mindset of, well, that's what I need to do. I need to be there. And that makes me somehow important. And actually what is important in life is what you offer back to people. Like mm-hmm. I, the people who, like I still have social media platforms. The people who follow me, though, I interact with on a daily basis. I may, like, hardly a day goes back that I don't reply to messages. Like, I I help people. Like, there's there's no me and them. It's us. And that's where my mentality's changed because I'm like, well, 
it doesn't like I don't need to be over there to be important. I need to be like. So the fame and the whatever that comes with it give you validation. At, at the time, I suppose it did. But I got I got famous when I was sixteen. I didn't know anything else. Mm. And then I had a had a my first son Josh, and got postnatal depression. And then I left. I just went. I'm too sick. I've had enough. Like I was only 21. I was super famous, mm. yeah. and I wanted to be normal. No one treated me normal. It's in, it's in, very very interesting that perspective. Yeah, you know what you what you've experienced, and you're absolutely right. It comes a time in in your life. I the the bad times that you've gone through, unfortunately, has taught you everything you've be, needed to be taught to become the person that you needed to be. Yeah, absolutely, I, and that's it. Even when I trained as a beautician last year. The only times I learned was when I made mistakes. Yeah. So, like, if I was doing a treatment on someone's face and I cut them, <laughs> and like, ah! but I realized, oh, I can't do that. I mustn't do it that way. I must do it this way. Okay. It was just <laughs> certain treatments are really, really delicate and mm. intricate and dangerous. Yeah, I used to sit there with this scalpel on people's faces, going. <laughs> How did you find like kind of wanting to work to be like? So, did you always want to be like on the TV presenting, or was that kind of something that just happened? Uh, kind of like what I said earlier with regards to what I wanted to do with my life. I know what I didn't want to do. I know I didn't want to have a job that I didn't enjoy or was fun. I went to a telethon in 1992 at ITV Wales, and I saw film trucks and news camera crews, and and I, all the news crew presenters were all kind of famous then back in Wales, like Ron Burgundy kind of thing. And I and I looked at it and I was like, oh my god, this is exciting. This is something that I like. I didn't know what it was, uh, but I really enjoyed it. And then like, it kind of spurred into a little bit of a. I was a very introverted kid when I was when I was a kid, but. There was something inside of me. Uh, I entered a, a Michael Jackson um, dance competition yes. in Butlins without my parents knowing. So they didn't know. I just turned up. On, I was this quiet kid, turned up on stage and like, mm, did all these things. Right? <laughs> um, and it was always something inside of me that kind of enjoyed the extrovert bit of performing and all that. So I knew all of that. But again, being from Caerphilly in South Wales, I had no idea how to get into it, no idea what part of the industry I liked. So I left school when I was 16, knowing this, knowing what I didn't want to do, had a connection at a radio station in Wales. I kind of made tea, did some work, then got a job in a drama, um, making tea and carrying uh, rubbish and stuff around and just going, I like this energy of this place, the, 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 the drama sets and the, the music video environment and stuff. It was really cool. So I kind of fell into performance and acting through there. And I fell into music through there. I was in a band and we went on tour with like, you know, pop bands. We did the Butlins tours, you know, those ones you've been on them. And, you know, party in the parks and all that type of stuff. And I really enjoyed that. It was a real buzz. And then I kind of fell into different jobs, falling then into journalism. um, Because my girlfriend at the time was a presenter and I got involved in producing and then did some in front of the camera thing. And then fell into this morning presenting and kind of in my head, 
accidentally fell into different things. Um, mm. But looking back, my my entire drive was to enjoy what I did, and 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 that my entire drive was the passion um, for broadcasting. I love broadcasting. I absolutely adore it. This you know the beauty of lockdown is that you can broadcast from your from your living room in your pajamas. Yeah. You can you, you've got a production company in your pocket. Everybody has, and it's really opened my mind to you know my passion is broadcasting, mental health awareness, and, and music. And I've always thought that I, that always depended on other factors like ITV liking me or a production company liking me. And when you go through periods of time when they don't, you think, oh, I can't do my passion. I'm therefore devastated. Um, and it's been taken away from me. But what I've realized in lockdown is that I can do it. It's, it's fine. You can go on it. You can do Instagram Lives. You can do podcasts. You can record this and do as many things as you possibly can. For me, there was no excuse. But going back to your original question, I, I set off on this 20 years ago, 20-year kind of quest to, to escape certain things. And, and I have told myself over the years that it was all accidental. It was all I fell into this job, I fell into that. But looking back on it intensely, there was a drive and a real energy and a manifestation of what I wanted. And what I wanted was just to be happy. And realizing that over the last few years has really made me relax on the career pressures, the not having opportunities and therefore comparing myself to other people. It's been a, it's an interesting thing. And, and I'm very lucky to have such a colorful, checkered, weird career. I wouldn't change it for the world and hopefully I have another 20 years like it. Yeah. And I love that. That's what I I'm really starting to understand and believe wholeheartedly that we really can be whoever we want to be and we can do things. We do have to get creative along the way. Mm. Like, but technology's changing so much now. Like, going back to what you were saying then, I remember having to go to, like, ITV or the BBC and, you know, kind of have these auditions for shows or panellists or something and, you know, getting on the train home thinking, this could be my next big break and nothing, Mm. like, kind of happening and never getting the calls and just having that kind of, oh, and I suppose it's like that in any industry, like, we all go for these jobs. We all get knocked back. But the yeah. way of creating things that you want to do, other than just having to depend on someone else to pick you. Well, that's the thing. It's it's being able to see that a negative door closing on you is an opportunity for you to you know, maybe not prove people wrong, but I've learned that it's an opportunity to change another direction. And often that new direction is what I actually wanted. The negative failure in my head pushed me in the direction that I needed to go in anyway. And I, I know we've, we've all been there. I, I was heartbroken four years ago when I, I moved to London 10 years ago and I came from a news channel, ITV Wales News. And I went to this morning and because I did this morning and I, and I feel like I did it well, I then had loads of other opportunities. and I was doing loads of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, getting asked to go for meetings about all the shows like Strictly and everything. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, 
And there are different reasons that I have to take you know, responsibility for. And there's, there's outer reasons that you can't be responsible for. Like, you know, obviously people were more attracted to Twitter followers and Instagram followers for presenters. And that was a factor. But four years ago, I was heartbroken because I had no work. I didn't have work for a few months. I had no work lined up for the year ahead. And I was like, what have I done wrong? Who, what, what, why am I not good enough? And why, why am I a failure? And I had a huge tax bill, all those things that are, all happened. And, it, and, and through that learning, through that period of time, it's really pushed me into doing podcasts. It's really, you know, I really had an opportunity to go, actually, what do I really want to do now? Because things change. You know, I wanted to be on this morning five years pre- previously. But then at that time, you know, that was gone. And what do I want to do? What was my buzz? And exactly what you're going through now. It was communication, connection, mental health awareness. And I was like, well, now this is my opportunity to go in that world, in that direction. I had to be pushed into it, but in a way, turned it into a positive thing by actually doing something that serves me in that moment and for that time. And, And I look back on that period now, and I'm very grateful that I was so heartbroken. I'm very grateful for those moments because I think you have to go through it. The growth zone when you're yeah. like backs up against the wall and at the time it's it's hell and it's fear mm. and it's frustration. Mm. Yeah. But I think it's those times that make you like you get you eventually do get to where you need to be. Where do you where do you go for support, Matt? Like how do you look after your mental health when you're going through all these trials and tribulations? Well, the thing is, it's very interesting. Like ten years ago, um, just over ten years ago, I I tried to take my own life because I was very badly suffering from depression. And in that moment of my life, for whatever reason that was. Um, and since then I've had my ups and downs, but I wouldn't say it's in any way a clinical depression. Um I'd say it's more a societal, um, environmental situation where I feel lots of people go through ups and downs, maybe more so in turbulent careers and, and industries. But I, at that time, my, my immediate go-to was my friends because when I went through my terrible time, I isolated myself and I didn't want to speak to anybody. I didn't connect to anybody. And it was to my detriment. So four years ago, when I had a massive tax bill, no money, no job, no prospects, and not much self-esteem, I, I went through a breakup, I was dumped, and it was terrible, and all these things, I was like, I need to go to the gym, I need to not go and drink bottles of whiskey again, because that never did anything for me, I need to be around good people. So that was my first thing, and that got me through it. I did three months, no alcohol, three months... Um, eating healthily and exercise um, and now over the last five years over the last three years intensely I've, I've really learned that um, connection that I got from my friends was really important so this is really important to me these conversations real conversations not small talk real con- connections with people really helped me I really I've, I've actually realized more in, intensely in the last 24 hours that I need to have quiet and I need to have silence. So meditation is a great tool for me. Um, just, just having a moment away from my computer screen, away from the energy of passion and work, because as good as that is, it's very draining. 
Mm-hmm. So I need to have still moments. So walking the dog in the in a park in a field, or by being by water, meditation is very good for me. Journaling is incredibly important for me. Writing down whatever's going on in my head. If I'm trying to work out what VAT is and taxes and what I need to say for that and what I need to do in my head, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm no mathematician, but it's 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 overwhelming, you know. Um, so I have to write it all down. So I journal. I journal my thoughts and my feelings. I check in with myself in my journal. And these are the tools that I'm kind of accumulating. It's an ever-going, evolving thing. But human connection, incredibly important to me. Quiet, shutting out the noise by meditation, yoga, maybe the gym, whatever it does to kind of switch me off to one thing instead of so many thoughts. Yeah. And, and journaling is very important to me to write down what's on my mind because I can compartmentalize that then. And I, obviously things like exercise and diet and drinking water is very important for me as well. But those major things I find really help me. Yeah. Well, me too. I think um, especially when you get to a certain age as well, you just think, what can I be doing to just make everything a little bit easier? So the mm. diet, knocking the drink on the head and all that. I'm a, I am I love whether it be counselling or life coaching mm-hmm. because I've never come out of a session and thought, wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I've never, it, I literally kind of like you just go, Bleh, and you, <laughs> because we just hold on to so much, don't we? Yeah. And having that safe space where, you know, you're not going to be judged or you can literally just say anything about anyone in your life mm. and it's heard and it's noted mm. and you kind of get a little bit of clarity because I think we have to, we have to get, do like a mind dump. We have to dump it out in order to then start picking back up the pieces that are going to be beneficial to us and leave what isn't. I'm really glad you said that, actually, because I just said yesterday I had a therapy session, an hour and a half of my life, and it was incredible. It was – I couldn't have bought anything off eBay or anything on the internet that could have made me feel as good as it felt afterwards. And I think that's really important. I think so many people self-medicate with, oh, I'm going to go and – buy something and it's going to make me feel better. Oh, we'll have a Chinese and a, and a bottle of wine tonight. I do that all the time. And it's going to make me feel better. But actually, that intense um, mind dump, as you said, that intense <laughs> thought process of saying things out loud that matter to you and being listened to is the most incredible thing. And I think having conversations like this, to normalize that investment in your mind and mm-hmm. going to counselor, therapist, um, uh, coach, yeah. whatever it may be, uh, is I, I think one of the most important things that's going to happen in the next decade where yeah. it's not people have gym memberships and don't go, and it's 50, 40, 50, 100 quid a month. If you spent that on your mind, you'd realize what's really important, and you wouldn't necessarily, you maybe you would do your own thing for exercise or whatever it is. It's the best investment starting place that you can ever, ever do. And I know you, you, you've done that and it's really helped you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a few incredible um, friends. They're, like, they're literally my friends, but I met mm. them from a, from a place of going to them to ask for support or help or do a course or do some life coaching. And 
like I, when I had my breakdown a few years ago, I went through the NHS and obviously I had a counsellor and we're not allowed to keep in touch. And I've tried, to, I've tried to find that woman. I've tried to look for her like, because she helped me so much. Um, but she, I don't think she's allowed to have a relationship with me because I did found her on something on, online and I messaged her going, it's me. <laughs> I sent her a thank you email. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's people now who I consider close friends and I went to them for help and support. And now I speak to them every week. And I think it's really, really important who you surround yourself with. You've got to surround yourself by the right people, the people who give back to you, support you, listen to you. Mm-hmm. Give you a little slap if you're being too overindulgent in your own in your own thoughts because mm-hmm. you, I, I I I think I I love a bit of a pity party. Oh, mm-hmm. me like you know why is this happening to me? And now I'm just like okay, well, what are you going to do, Tash? Like, mm-hmm. what can you do to get out of that mindset? So definitely support. Like, find find your tribe. It's I mean it's a bit of a cliche, but yes. it's. So true, isn't super it? Important. Yeah, super, super important. How many people have toxic friends around them? And I believe you me, I know my mates and I've done it. I've gone out with people, not because I like them. It's because I knew it would impress my mates. And I bought things, not for because I wanted them. It's because I want to impress. They, they, these are not your people. Mm. That's a bad attitude towards what you think your friends want from you. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Finding your tribe is one of the most important things because that support base is incredibly important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Have you thought about being a counsellor? <laughs> a couple of people have said to me, you'd make a really good counsellor or a life coach. Maybe in the future it's something I, I might look at. I think I'm still on my road of discovery. But mm-hmm. man, I've been through a lot. I have been through a lot of shit. <laughs> Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Or is that something that you're not ready to share? No, I mean, I've been, I've been very open, I think. And this will lead on quite well to who we've got coming up after, because next up we've got okay. Naomi Ella, and she is a maternal therapist. Like, she helps people transitioning from mm-hmm. you to mother. And it's a very under-talked about transition because we're supposed to be in this beautiful, flourishing phase of pregnancy and grateful for everything that's happening to us and feeling empowered in our new womanly body and all this. But for me, it wasn't like that. I had the pressures of being a pop star. Mm-hmm. Um, I was literally given three weeks off from ha- giving giving birth to being back on tour. So I was world again and I'm actually on later on with Carrie it's sorry not Carrie <laughs> Carrie's not on <laughs> Jenny, Jenny and Liz <laughs> slip of the tongue uh, yeah uh, I, you know I was back on tour with the girls and obviously my life had changed drastically and they were still younger pop stars and I was like I had no support I had no mental health like counseling um Mm. there was no one you know like you've got like hr in a job like if there's a problem at work or there's an issue you can go and talk to them and they can maybe try and point you in the right direction like in a pop band no there's nothing like that it's like suck it up shut up get on with it Mm -hmm. and i was like leaving my baby and then 
going off to be a pop star and living this like life of total polar opposites. And then coming back to my baby and he was like wanted, because my mum, my mum became Josh's nan, nanny. She looked after him when I couldn't take him with me. But to leave a newborn baby for weeks on end is not normal. No, not at all. Not that's, a, that's a horrific situation. Horrific. And then to come back and hear him cry and then want to be, um, he'd want my mum because yeah. that's what he was used to. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, like my baby doesn't see me as its mum. Actually feel emotional because I don't don't think I've actually ever spoken about this, but this is good because it's honest, right? Mm -hmm. I lost all sense of purpose because all of a sudden I wasn't even a mum and I didn't want to be a pop star and I wasn't enjoying that and I wanted to be over there and no one... No one understood, no one supported, and I I just kept everything in. Every single feeling of confusion and upset and hurt and pain and anger was just swallowed down repeatedly all day, every day. And then, obviously, that has to come out at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just exploded and... Even at the end when I was like, I can't do this anymore. When my therapist was like, she can't do this. She's not well. Everyone was like, but just one last tour. Just one last video. My decision to stop being a pop star impacted on a lot of people's jobs. Their livelihoods became jeopardized because of my decision. Mm-hmm. I could feel the dislike and hatred from people because that big money-making wheel stopped because of me. People were not going to work either being as a band member or a manager or a, you know, fashion designer or a dancer. Like, all these people, their jobs ended because of me. So, you know, I could feel the resentment, but I was still having to go to work with them every day. It was fucking horrendous. That's a heavy weight to carry, isn't it? I was 21. No, I had no one to talk to. I had no support. And do you know what? I'm not saying this to pick them people out because they're not bad people. They were on their own journey. They were all of a sudden out of a job and thinking, what the hell am I supposed to do next? I don't like, I genuinely don't hold any animosity towards them at all because we were all having to figure out the next step. But it was, it was literally went home, closed the door, and everyone stopped. There's and nothing we're... worse than feeling like you're not being supported. Mm. No, I wasn't <laughs> at all. It's quite the I opposite, wasn't. isn't it? Yeah, and then that's that's kind of when I first started. I knew that I had to go and have therapy. Management were like, you need to go and see someone, you need to go and see someone. But when you're 21 and you don't really, you know, you're not comfortable and you're going to this very clinical Harley Street therapist. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I don't want to be here. And this this is probably in the early 2000s or something? Is it 2002. I mean, mental health awareness was pretty much non-existent. It was non-existent pretty much 10 years ago. So I, I, know, I know that time really well. I, you know, that's when I started working and that was when... Um, the pop 
top bands that I always interviewed or I was a part of were, you were bottom of the food chain. Get out there and do it. And, and, I, and I, I can imagine what that must have been like for you. And, and you're like, you're interesting what you said that, that I'm a mum, but I'm not doing it. I'm a pop star, but I can't do it because I should be being a mum. And mm. had that crossroads of purpose, I really feel for you. That's a that's traumatic. That's a traumatic thing you've gone through there. It is. It is trauma, and it's followed me for years. And when I talk about it, I get wobbly. It will never leave me. It will never leave me because I almost feel like even when I talk about it and I have like do therapy or I talk with my, with my friends, I feel like so much time has passed between what happened then. And now exploring and coming to terms with it. It's hard to get back. It's like I've got, I've put up such a wall and a barrier of that was too painful. It's almost like it wasn't even me. I can't. Yeah, I know. I, do not, not, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's things that I went through when I was 12 and 16. And because I didn't deal with them that mentality of that 12-year-old and 16-year-old is still me. I still make decisions based on what they would have decided to do at that age. You know, young me, little 12-year-old, little silly, nonsense, doesn't know much about the world, Matt, still makes decisions on my behalf when I'm 37. And only now, over the last few years, have I realized that that's still me. That's still my trauma, and that's still my stuff. That's still my belief system and my pattern and it still affects the decisions I make today yeah. so you know there's it's an easy thing like we go back full circle that that other version of yourself is still you mm. and this is it I think we just have to own we have to own our shit and it's okay that we fucked up <laughs> and it's all right that we're not perfect and it's all right that we don't know where we're going it's okay. We like, I think I was such a control freak in having to know what, where I was going, where I was going, like that just having that train of thought, not being able to see where I was going would stop me from progressing. It would hold me back continuously. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, it's okay. One foot in front of the other, one day at a time. It will be yeah. okay. Yeah, because as we learn the hard way, Perfection doesn't exist. Mm. Failure is an opportunity to learn. And nobody knows what we're doing. No, we, we have no idea what's happening. Look at look what lockdown's done to everybody. We didn't plan this. We didn't plan being in our houses for three months, four months, sitting around in our PJs, broadcasting <laughs> on the internet all the time. We didn't plan any of this. But no. I, I, I got a feeling that what this might bring for you definitely, definitely has brought for me, is that, I'm going to try and be open-minded to whatever happens because whatever happens, I'm going to have to turn it into something positive and, 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 and follow that path and, and take that route and be malleable with what, whatever happens because if I'm ever stuck in my ways, if I stick with that resentment towards that moment, nothing happens. I don't get anything done. I hold and I stay firm and I don't do anything. Um, and it's that big thing about just learning to be like, water just fluid and just going with the flow and, and it's hard and it's really hard and I'm struggling with it at times I've had a bad two weeks um not with my mental health I've had a sinus infection and I haven't been able to do the stuff I wanted to do 
um, apart from sitting and think about all the stuff I could be doing, which has done me no good. So I've learned, I have to learn to be more still and um, shut out the noise. Can I suggest something? Um, We'll have a chat about it personally as well. Um, What you bring to the table is so much. You bring loads to the table. Your talent, your singing, your performance, all those things, they're still there. Don't let people and situations and timing tell you you don't have value because that's nonsense because you do. But what you're doing now has really impressed me. And I think (laughs) if you could – there's still pop stars out there who are 16, Nat, who are clueless and they're still being treated the same way. You could help them. You really could. I think if there's some way you could do that and I'll help you, I think that would be really interesting. Wow. I mean, yeah. Definitely. Bloody hell, I've been there, bought a T-shirt. And you, know, you look at what that young lady from Little Mix went through, that documentary she oh. did. It's happening now. It's ha- right now, a band is being formed somewhere in the world and the management don't give a shit about them. And you can help them. It's, it's happening. And it's the same thing. It'll happen constantly. And they, all they care about is money and they care about getting them onto that stage. And, and it happens in all industries. Sellotape them up, stick them out there, perform Little Monkey, and it happens all the time. And and I think it, it, it'll take this conversation and people like you to maybe install a part of a term in a contract for anybody under the age of 21 to have somebody like you to talk to on a regular basis, because that would have helped you, right? If we had a safe place to go, and like a, just just that support, yeah, it would have been amazing. Like we did have a female tour manager for a short time, mm. and it was just like it was all men, just men, all men. Yeah, I think wow. I remember your tour manager. He was a bald guy, big bald guy, Tony. No, Carl. Carl Machen oh. was on. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Andre now. Okay. <laughs> He's got his hands full with the Andre. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. Bless still him. doing it. He's still taking people carriers from hotels to venues. And, and fair play to it. And I, I, my thing is, is that, you know, like we talk about um, racial inequality. We talk about everything that's wrong. And it has been fundamentally wrong and a massive issue for centuries. And it's the same with other issues. It's the same everywhere. Things don't necessarily change. We have to kind of be the change there. And, and I've definitely learned from my perspective of learning. I don't know if I'm equipped to become a tutor or a, or a, a, um, a person that could be a counsellor, um, but I can definitely point people in the right direction to the right people. I'm using that space that I can create to That's do that. I call mm. myself the connector. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get someone to do me a little video which is a bit James Bond-esque when I'm the connector, <laughs> the connector. Uh, but it's, it's a great idea because people need connecting and that's the thing I think um, like what you say therapy's helped you and there's people out there that are sitting in houses right now and all they could do with is a half hour chat with somebody and it could save them and they don't know, they don't value it. They don't know it's there and they feel as if they can't afford it. And that's very true. I think th- some therapies are very expensive, but, you know, also a Domino's pizza at the moment is 20 quid. I mean, that's expensive. I can't believe it. 20 pounds for a pizza. I mean, I two pizzas can get you a therapy session. 
and I would do much more better for you than a, two dominoes. I did a big shop the other day, a big shop. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in Corona, when you did a big shop. Yeah. It cost me 350 quid. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I nearly, like, my tongue was, like, on the freaking conveyor belt. I was like, what? Uh, How? Did you... It was, was that because you went to Aldi and you bought wetsuits and a speedboat as well? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in Aldi, that still would be under 12 quid or something, wouldn't it? <laughs> Matt, thank you so, so much for your time this morning. You have been absolutely fantastic. Like, you've been incredible. I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat. And we will definitely uh, do a little brainstorm about what you said because... I think it's a freaking great idea. I think you speak for so many people. You could help so many people and you are helping people. I think this is a wonderful period of your life and it's exciting. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Better with Natasha. If you have enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcasts. It helps us more than you can imagine to reach more people and share important lessons and conversations about mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. You can also connect with Natasha and become part of the Live Better movement right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, turn followers, fans, and listeners into paying clients, and open up a world of opportunities. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group, the team that make this this very podcast, Ultimate Podcast Group, your one-stop full-service agency for all your production needs. For more information, click the link in the show notes now.